0: Sports is no longer just about the game itself. To be a success and to find fulfillment in the game, it takes more. The mental, relational, and cultural component has become more of a focus. No longer is talent enough. An athlete has to be trained in a holistic manner to reach their potential. Training the Complete Athlete provides a wide variety of interviews and informational podcasts for coaches, parents, and athletes to gain insight to reach a higher level of performance. So today I'm happy to welcome Damian Williams. Uh, pretty crazy how we met. We both were uh, connected to the state of Oregon, but we met in Utah through a mutual friend. And we've been friends for a couple decades. And we both were in the softball coaching world. Damian actually coached at Willamette University for 21 seasons and is the all time winningest coach in any sport. 21 years. People always say, man, you've been coaching at the same place for five years. That's forever To, to think 21 is a totally different thing. So he has decided to leave uh, the diamond and is now uh, working for us. He's the manager of sports and events uh, for travel Salem. And so you are one of the most connected people I know. So this takes all of your skills of connecting people and bringing great events uh, to the city of Salem. And then you also uh, are uh, a sports consultant for Dravis sports group, because in the world of sports, it is all about connecting and giving guidance. And like I say, you know, probably more than more people than anybody. Everybody, when I say your name, they're like, oh, yeah, I love him. Uh, So this is a great opportunity to use all your experience of being at Willamette and connections and help other programs uh, build events or build teams or build whatever they're looking for in the sport world. So, Damien, I'm excited to talk to you uh, in person and recorded instead of always just chatting about how we're going to save the world. Um, but for both you and I, team culture has always been a, a big component and it's one of the things we talk about a lot. And I noticed that in the world of sports, it always seems to kind of be secondary. You know, they think all we just gotta do is f- focus on X's and O's and performance, and team culture is second. But you and I both know that if you don't have a good team culture, sustaining success is gonna be really difficult. So uh I'm excited to talk to you and get your opinion. Um Great. So, Great. first
1: thing, I'm excited to be here. I, you know, our conversations go long, so let's try to <laughs> keep this in the right window.
0: No, say we can be here forever. What are you talking about? Um, but you know, why is sports? Uh, why is culture, or team culture, so important in the world of sports?
1: Um, it's so funny. Like you said, so many coaches think you have to separate the X's and O's from team culture, but like we live in a culture. We we grow up in a culture. And then you meet somebody and you get married and you have to blend cultures. Like we live every day in a culture. And when people separate those into sports, I think that is their downfall. Culture um, of a team is who we are. Our language, our fashion, our education, our music, that's what makes up culture. And teams consist of all that. So it it has to be the, the backbone of who you are as a team and a program. Is, is solidifying your culture.
0: And that's so true because every minute of uh, practice or travel is decided by team culture. And I, I know one of my ADs wanted me to write goals and I told him I don't really do goals and he did not know how to react to that. I said, I'm very focused on team culture. And if you create a good team culture, goals kind of you know work themselves out because yeah. it, it really decides what you do every day instead of what the end result is, right? Yes. So how does a negative team culture impact performance or even impact the experience for student athletes and their coaches?
1: Well, it's, it, I, re, I relate it back to life. Um, if you're, if you're living in a, a, a negative environment at home um, in the workplace, um, you can't be successful because it's who we are day to day, every day. Um, and if you have that negative aspect when you're heading to the field, heading to the court, heading to the pitch, it doesn't matter what arena you're in. If that negative vibe is there, how can you be your most productive? How can you be your best self? And if you can't be your best self, how can you make the person next to you better?
0: Well, and if that negative uh, team culture, what are things that you've seen that have really impacted in a negative light teams that you've either worked with or teams that you've seen, so. You know
1: our listeners can maybe avoid some of those things. Uh, it's really selfishness is the biggest thing. Um, and uh, you can throw out all the buzzwords like um trustworthy, um, but that's really a character flaw. Um it's it's really selfishness. Um are the people that we're around patient? Um can can they love, not care, but love um one another? Um, those are the things that are, that are important to building. And if you have that selfishness, you can't have that. And, and if, if people are looking out for their stats or their playing time, um, or if they're going to get in trouble, not somebody else, uh, if if they're not willing to take responsibility um, for the, for the team, um, that's, it could, it could be bad. Lonnie Alameda always says, well, always. I don't know. I'm around her probably once a year, but um, I love her phrase of, um, you don't have to like everyone on the team, but you have to love everyone on the team and you have to love the team. Um, And that's what it's about.
0: And that's, that's very much like family. We don't always like each other in our family, but we do have to love them and we have to stand by them no matter what, what happens. And, and I really, that the concept of selfishness, I think is overlooked a lot in sports but sports have changed dramatically since you and I were playing that team always did come first and now with showcases and and everybody focusing on trying to get recruited that team focus and how do we win as a group has kind of gone to the wayside and it's hard to retrain kids how to win as a team once they do get to college or even higher level clubs um, And so that's something to really look at uh, even as young athletes is what am I really here for? am I here just to focus on getting a scholarship? Or am I here for a great experience to get better and be successful as as a teammate too? I think that's something that really does get missed all the time in the world of sports.
1: Yeah, I I hate to use the phrase back in the day because we have to live in the moment. We can't live back in the day. But in the past, Little League was so huge and you developed that sense of community and there were seven inning games and there was a finish And there was a winner and there was a loser, and you had to learn the sport. But once travel ball has taken over and and the scholarship dollars are in demand, it's trickled all the way down to the youth where it's I need to be on the best team that helps me. I need to be in the best situation that helps me. And I need to showcase my talents, not I need to learn how to win softball for the greater good of the team organization program. I would go to tournaments. And coaches would come out of the dugout and say, hey, do you want to see Sally? I'll throw her in in the fourth inning um, because you're here. And I was like, why? Like, if she's not playing, like, isn't your team supposed to be winning? It's not about me seeing somebody field a ground ball in a game. Like, I want to know what kind of person they are, what kind of culture they're involved in. And But these kids are taught it's about the showcase. So you can't teach team culture that way. It's hard. So when they get to the higher level, or even when they enter their high school team, it's like, how do you have a good team culture when your high school coach is telling you something different from your travel ball coach? Your high school coach is telling you, we're here together, we go to school together, we live together, we shop together. Your travel team coach is like, I'm going to take you all the way to Oklahoma to, you know, Colorado, I'm going to do this to showcase you, you're the most important person. Um, So it's, it's, it's hard for kids to get into that Culture—it's hard to teach that. So when you get to college, they have to—they have to relearn.
0: Absolutely, I think it is definitely uh, not to be uh, punny, but it is a culture shock when kids get there and realize I'm just one of many great athletes, and now we have to do this as a unit instead. So, what are some of the key components of quality team culture?
1: Uh, For me, it it comes down to two major things: Uh, trust. And love, and and so many coaches mistake that for character and caring. And let me walk you through that. Trust. Um, so many people think if I leave money in my locker, I could trust that somebody's not going to take it. I think no, that's character. Like um, trust is understanding where everybody's supposed to be. We're all on the same page. We're all talking the same language. We're all believing in the same philosophy. We trust that the person next to me is going to do their job and sacrifice as much as, as I am. We're going to trust our coaching staff. We're going to trust our right fielder, our quarterback, our point guard, our whoever it is. Um, we believe in the same things, and I trust that everybody's going to be on the same page. Um, love is, is that deep connection with the group, a deep connection with one another. Um, that I can't be who I am, if you're not who you are. Um, And we need to love each other. And it it gets back down to real world relationship talk. Like, when when you were Carrie Kosderka, you grew up in a Kosderka culture. Um, Justin grew up in the feral culture. And then now you two have to combine those to make one culture, to raise kids, make big family decisions. And it's a clash of culture, but anything, like any marriage, the thing that comes through and makes things great is that love you have for that person, that deep connection. And that's what teams have to begin to understand and begin to create is that love um, for one another. I believe team culture thrives with those two things, trust and love.
0: So how do you get kids to buy in? Because I'm a big believer that if kids buy into a program no matter what the philosophy is, they're gonna be successful. Cause I've seen teams that their philosophy is interesting and they still are successful and win. But the common thread is everybody's following the same direction, no matter what the philosophy is. So how do you get them to buy into those things?
1: As a coach, uh, it, it starts with trust, that trust we talk about. It, you. It starts in a recruiting process. And most cases you learned, You trust somebody because they're the head coach of the program and you're gonna go to that school. Um, But then you get to that school and find out that that person is nowhere close to who they were in the the recruiting process. Um, You have to be the same person on the recruiting trail that you are in your program day to day so that they can trust that they're going to be led by somebody that they believe in day in and day out. Um, So when they struggle and they get criticized, they know in their heart, they trust that person is looking out for my best interests, not their own personal job security. Um, so I think it starts there. Um, and then you can get people to believe in the things you're trying to teach them um, because we're all people first. I know some people say I'm an athlete first, but no, you're a person first. And if you don't believe in what that coach is telling you, how many times have you been around an athlete and says, My hitting coach wants me to do it this way? Or my, my pitching coach has always said, this is the thing I'm supposed to do first. Um, you have to be able to break down that wall and get them to trust in what you're teaching them. And then they can trust in your rules, your expectations, your your philosophy on and off of the field. And then they can trust that every the people around them are saying the same things. Because once they doubt you, if they turn to the person next to them, and that person is saying the same thing you are, then they're going to trust in and in you but if that person saying the same thing they are where do how do you even get how do you get people together
0: yeah so i believe it starts early yeah i think transparency as a coach is is extremely important um i've even run into kids when i you know switch took over programs that they didn't believe my transparency because mm-hmm. they had never seen that mm-hmm. before right yeah they were always thinking i had this underlying agenda and i just want to say guys i i, I just want mm-hmm. you guys have great experience and win some ball games yeah. that's what we're chasing so I see kids. It's so funny. I see kids being yeah. more skeptical of coaches. You know? Yeah,
1: I I would tell kids straight out, I'm gonna always lie to you, but I'm always gonna be honest. And they would be like, "What are you talking about?" Like I might tell you your hair looks nice today, and it's a crap show <laughs> because you need to to you need a pick me up. Like I'm gonna tell you that that ground ball that you fielded it was great because you made it out, even though it was the ugliest thing ever. Like I tell kids all the time, I'm going to lie to you all the time, but I'm going to always be honest. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's, you have to believe, they have to believe to you as a person um, that you're looking out for their best interest.
0: Absolutely. I I think that's very, very important. Um, So how do you change a team culture? You know, I, I've seen it um, in both ways. Uh, When a coach starts over, like takes over a new program. Right. And so Mm -hmm. they could come in and have to make major decisions. culture changes. And you and I both probably have mm-hmm. been through that. And then there are times that I call them like do-overs, right? I know I had one mm-hmm. do-over um, <clears throat> during my time at Concordia. Uh, mm-hmm. our, our mutual friend, Al, I actually was helped him with his do-over because you get to a point that you bring in a lot of new athletes or something changes and you can literally change mm-hmm. how things roll or you take in a new program or take over a new program. Mm-hmm. So how do you yeah. make a culture change when people are so set in the things that they've been doing all this time?
1: Well, it depends. Is it a winning program or a losing program? Does it have good culture? Does it have bad culture? Sometimes coaches come into a good situation and they're like, we need to change it. Well, no, you just need to direct it. Like that you don't need to change it. But if there's teams and cultures that need a culture change, um, how do you change it? I believe it starts at that very first team meeting. And I believe it's listening to the athletes of saying, okay, what has worked? Mm -hmm. And so then they get the buy-in of like, okay, coach is not saying everything we've done sucked that I suck as a person, and they know everything is right. They want to know from us in that first team meeting what has worked, what are the things you believe in, what are the traditions you want to keep, what are the things you guys want to get rid of, um, and here's what I can add to where we're gonna go and, and get on this bus together. Um, this this thing, this journey we're on currently that I'm stepping into. Um, it doesn't look so pretty, but that doesn't mean there's not beauty in it. How can we get that beauty to shine together? And that's, I think it's important to listen when you go into that first team meeting. Um, so then they feel validated. They feel that you care for them. So then that you can lead them where you need them to go to change.
0: Yeah. I, and that's the thing is, is you get totally, so many different uh, varieties of how student athletes take in new coaches, right? You Mm -hmm. know, some of, I know for me, when I got to, uh, Concordia, they were so desperate for the change and they had not been successful. So I feel like Mm -hmm. I got grilled just on my interview of what can we change, you know? Um, but then I also survived the coaching change when I went to college and the woman that, uh, that left was dearly loved and cherished. And so I would Mm -hmm. play with teammates that were so upset about the change and I didn't get mm-hmm. that because I was recruited by that yeah. initial coach. So it is, yeah. it's, it's hard when you have some people that are like what well, we love the last coach and some people mm-hmm. that are like good riddance, let's move on. Right. 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 So what about changing a culture, like in the middle of an established program, let's say you've been coaching five or six years and you need to shake things up and maybe redirect a little bit. How do you do that?
1: Um, I've had to do that. You know, I've hit a high and then it was hitting low and you're like, I need to come back to a high. You need to change direction. Um, I started with, it's so funny. I started with our our, our seniors um, and just tell them what we've been doing the last couple of years has not been working. Let's shake things up. I've learned some new stuff. Um, let's let's start implementing it, you know? And, and they're, the seniors are always going to be like, yeah, we've sucked the last couple of years. Let's change some things. But then seriously, I've cut out the juniors and the sophomores and then start with that freshman class and say, hey, you are our future. Let's change this thing right now and build around you. Not saying I didn't love the sophomores and juniors anymore, but you need the new group to buy into that change you're talking about. And you need the, old, the older group to get them there to show them what it looks like. Because um, it's going to have to grow. Like you know, every year is a new team. Not every four years, every year is a new team. So you, I, I, I think you start with the, the, the older, not the leaders, not the captains, the seniors, and then the first years and getting them to um, help initiate that change. And that is a change of mindset.
0: Well, and that's what, for me, it, it came when I brought in a whole bunch of junior transfers and mm-hmm. um, we, we had been successful, but we hadn't like hit the next level. And I brought in mm-hmm. all these kids that honestly knew nothing about our school, knew nothing about our league. Mm-hmm. And they, yeah. and we said, this is who we're going to be. And they were like, okay. And yeah. they pretty much just got to play fearless. But it was when you have 10 people yeah. all going in the same direction with no history it makes things, yeah. that was like the easiest way yeah. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> to yeah. change a culture,
1: you know? Yeah, um, yeah. it's interesting. I had, a, I had a year where a top 25 team, we're good. Like we're in the top 25. Um, and I brought in 10 freshmen. Seven of those freshmen started and they, were already, they walked into a top 25 team. And so the older kids, it was like, wow, like, do we need a culture change? We're already good, mm-hmm. you know, but having to mesh those seven new starters with a top 25 team and an all-american like it, it it was it's an interesting thing to try to get those groups on the same page
0: well i think it's important like you said every season's a new season it's a new team yeah. you know even if you're mm-hmm. returning most of the team one or two people mm-hmm. can change a dynamic with my group they were all as i say uh, fearless and didn't know better their junior year but then their senior year, they put these crazy expectations on themselves because they were ranked third the year before, third in the nation. And they finished yeah. third in the conference because they put so much yeah. pressure on themselves.
1: <laughs> we did that. You know, I was
0: like, guys, you guys yeah. are the same people. Let's go have fun. Let's do the, 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 right. this the way we do. But um, every, every team does change with every passing year and the experiences mm-hmm. that come with that season. And I think lots of yeah. times – we just think, Oh, we'll be fine. Cause we have these athletes. We don't think about the investment of what the culture is going to look like with the new additions or the few subtractions yeah. or whatever is going to, to come into yeah. play. And that's really important.
1: And, and one thing coaches forget is that we want them to all be part of a bigger group, but they're all individuals. Something might've happened at home during the summer that changed the kid's life. And now that kid is different in September, than they left in June. Um, there might be something, a new roommate situation. Like there's so many things outside of the control that if you think that you're just going to roll out the ball and create the same culture, um, I think that's where coaches don't know how to adjust. And because they forget that all these players that we have are individuals um, with lives.
0: And that's a great point. So what are some tips that you can give coaches when things do derail like that, when there's you know, somebody maybe loses a family member over the summer, or something mm-hmm. is going on at school, somebody gets sick or injured. Mm-hmm. How do you help coaches make that adjustment to, like, as I say, the, the bumps in the road in a team?
1: I, I, I learned this a long time ago um, um, from two coaches, t- two different sports: one Teresa Wilson um, and one Gordy James. Gordy James was a basketball coach. I passed Gordy James on the win total. At Willamette, two different coaches told me this. Um, they said, if you make every decision every day um, with the respect and love of the student athlete, you'll be you'll be successful. And um, coaches sometimes look at the student athlete as part of the whole and not individuals that make up the whole. And when when a kid gets derailed, if you're making decisions for them out of the respect and love for them, um, it'll, it'll trickle down to the rest of the team. Um, and everybody, it starts with that trust and love we talked about earlier, um, that everybody around them will help them um, be better. Because once again, I am because we are. I am my team. My team is me. Um, if we forget that about our student athletes, that's where it gets derailed. One kid's bad summer or one kid's bad roommate situation or one bad relationship situation can derail everything. but if they can rely on their culture, their group, their team, their family, their love, um, everyone will will be good. I think we try to keep everything separated, but we we have to remember we are separated and we need everybody to be together.
0: well, I think that's a great lead into talking to, to student athletes is since you're used to functioning as an individual, it's scary. And, and because it's vulnerable to walk mm-hmm. into a new team and really be yeah. who you are, you may have never played that way. Right. Yeah. And even if you're playing high school or club ball, it's a, a good way to go into joining a team because then you're mm-hmm. all in. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about, yeah. I'm going to trust and love everybody here, including my coaches, my trainers, whichever, Mm -hmm. you're going to be able to build such better relationships and probably play a lot more carefree than most of our student athletes these days, you know? yeah. And I think that's a a really important message for student athletes to understand is Mm -hmm. you get to choose what you bring into the team as well.
1: Some people don't understand, some young people don't understand what love actually is. They grew up in the loving household. Let's say they grew up in a good loving household, they don't know what love is because they grew up in that. You know? So they don't know how to give that once they get to college to speak. Um, so you have to talk to them about it. You have to talk to your team about what love looks like. It's getting to that to that cliff and jumping off and knowing that you're going to be safe. You're vulnerable. You're you you believe in the people with you. Um that we can jump out of an airplane and the parachute's going to open you know, um, we, it's crazy enough. I showed a lot of Navy SEAL videos. I, I had teams read chapters out of, um, lone survivor. Um, I've had people read good to great, um, which is a great book, um, to believe in the culture that, that love creates, you know, so.
0: Well, I think that is, it is key that, uh, kids need to be educated on what what these things truly mean, right? You know, mm-hmm. I always laugh with some of my clients. I'll say, "Do you even know what that word means?" Simple relational words that I think are pretty basic, and they'll go, "I don't really know what that truly means." You know, like what yeah. respect means, or when you say somebody's being rude. You know, but one of the yeah. things that we always held tight in our program was if somebody is brave enough to come talk to you because they have an issue with you, you need to give them. The respect and be patient and listen because that's a really hard mm-hmm. thing to do for somebody. And that show, that yeah. falls into that category of safety and love, like that you are a safe person to come and talk to instead of worrying that I'm going to get yeah. yelled at and being told yeah. I'm ridiculous. And that's those things are important with in team dynamics.
1: But you have to teach them how to have those conversations because I learned I learned the hard way. I would have people unhappy with each other. And I say, well, did you talk to her? And they're like, yeah. And I was like, tell me how that conversation went. And they would tell me how it went. And I was like, are you sure she said that? And they're like, yeah, here, look. And I'm like, no, you didn't talk to her. <laughs> that's a text. Like you guys have to sit down in the same room. Yeah. Like that's not a conversation, but I learned that the hard way. Um, Young kids communicate these days over a device and they feel like that's talking to somebody and listening to somebody. No, it's transposing an article, a, you know, um, a, a, a paper and reading it the way it is in your headspace, not hearing it from their headspace. You have to get in the same room and have these conversations. So then I learned that we need to start setting up these conversations um, strategically. Mm-hmm. And um, we used to, we used to make lunch buddies where, and that would change every week and. We would strategically do it because we would have our captains kind of tell me who's having conflict right now. Okay, they're going to be lunch buddies (laughs) so that they can purposely have to sit with one another and have these conversations. Or it would be like, hey, I need you to go out with Sally um, to Starbucks. You guys need to go grab coffee. And it'd be like, oh, and I was like, no, she needs somebody right now. And I think you'd be the best for her. And then they would go out and they would have that conversation. You have to strategically set up conversations. I learned you can't just tell somebody to talk to so-and-so because this is how they try to say I talk to them.
0: Well, and the thing that I've learned uh, about the current um, youth and texting is they say things that they would never say to each other in person. You know, people will yeah. say, well, I said this. And I go, you said that to their face? They're like, no. And I go, then why is it okay to say those things over text? You know, they're like, yeah. well, and they always pause. They don't know. And yeah. it, it almost gives them a level uh, permission to be more, uh, be unkind in some ways. But, yeah, you know, I know, for, know during my time of coaching, I spent a lot of time teaching p- kids how to talk. You know, they would come mm-hmm. into me and they would be struggling with something. And I'd say, well, what do you need coach to know? And they would just kind of go off. And I go, okay, you cannot say that that way to a coach. Like, And I said, mm-hmm. this is how you need to have a conversation. And so they'd sit there and kind of listen. Mm-hmm. Because if mm-hmm. I ever said, just go talk to your coach, I don't know sometimes what would be communicated to that coach, right? Yeah. But kids yeah. do need that help of of learning how to communicate in a better way and mm-hmm. in a way that they also can be heard and not just shut down quickly mm-hmm. as well.
1: But that's, I I think that's so much out of the coaches hands, we have to spend so much time now at the college level teaching kids actually how to be people. Yeah, because they don't get that at home. Um, Somebody still orders for them, or somebody still talks to their neighbor for them, or somebody still talks to, they, they, we're not teaching our kids to be individual people. And then we expect the coach at the next level to teach them actually to be people versus athletes.
0: Well, and that, and that's, a that, that's a great point because as parents, we do everything to keep our kids from feeling uncomfortable. And that's one of the biggest disservices we can mm-hmm. do. You know, mm-hmm. as soon as a kid can put a sentence together, they should order for themselves. Right. You know, my, yeah. my kids sometimes will say, Hey mom, will you go talk to so-and-so? I'm like, uh, no, you know, if you want mm-hmm. to be getting money for a fundraiser, mm-hmm. you call Nana, I'm not calling Nana. Yeah, Right yeah and that even though that's scary for them it helps build their confidence it teaches them like you say how to be a human being right
1: yeah it's so funny with everson at church we have you know past the peace and we're always like you have to shake five people's hands like on your own not with us Mm -hmm. go do it and at first he wouldn't do it Mm -hmm. and then we're like okay you can get a slushy after church if you do then but then Months later, he's gained the confidence. Okay, I got to go talk to five people, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, have him order for himself in Spain. So that's in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Like, well, you're not getting a soda if you don't want to order it. Like, I'm getting one. But if you don't want one, you don't get one. But kind of just teaching. And we have to do the same thing to our athletes now. Mm-hmm. Like, how do we, like, coaches are expected to parent, mentor, guide, lead, and know the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that is the one thing that um, administrations need to start doing better is letting coaches or providing opportunity for coaches to learn how to be um, today's leaders Mm -hmm. without just going to a convention once a year.
0: Well, and that's that I think is a very true statement when you talk about, you know, talking about team culture is cultures look different than they did 15 years ago and things that coaches could do 15 years ago they can't do now, right? And I was actually Mm -hmm. talking to an alumni um, and we were talking about, she's now an athletic trainer and we were talking about continuing ed and and how it relates to mental health with trainers. And Mm -hmm. there really isn't anything out there. So you're putting a population of people that are on the front lines, like coaches, without the Mm -hmm. equipment to say, this is how I can really lead, you know? Um, That's why it's funny, I get calls from coaches all the time saying, okay, there was this scenario and I did this. Was that right? Or I have this situation. Yeah. Yeah. How can I help them? Yeah. You know? Um, and it's yeah. never about softball. It's never like, right. how can I, I get them to hit better? It's right. I have these two people fighting or kids transfer, you know, right. and, and yeah. as I say, you don't go to a coaching school for that. You know, I've seen some, right. Some. I, I dealt with a team this year that faced a, a serious, serious tragedy with one of their athletes. Mm-hmm. And I walked into the high school with the coach and I said, coach, how are you doing? And I said, how are you dealing with this? And she goes, and I said, they don't teach you this in coach school. And this is not the expectation when you sign up for this. And she goes, no, I was never prepared, you know? Right. And so if I could give advice to coaches is learn about the current athlete and even how to deal with the mental side Mm -hmm. of current athletes. Yeah.
1: It's it's interesting. I think Willamette does a good job um, for their students, not for the coaching staff in this regard, but for their students. I teach two classes. One is sports leadership and management, where we talk about how to be a leader in, in these issues we're talking about. And then the other class is teaching and coaching of activity. So they separate the two, like you have to learn the X's and O's, but you also have to learn how to deal with people, mm-hmm. you know, but that's in an exercise science umbrella at a small, you know, university. Most coaches don't get to sit through those classes, but they, they
0: really need, yeah. And, and I, and I worry that with all the pressure on coaches to create these cultures that encompass so much, a lot of great coaches are, are leaving the profession, which is it, which is too, mm-hmm. it's it's too bad because like mm-hmm. I say, the expectations um, that are put on programs to build this all encompassing team culture and and teach them everything before they, they either graduate from mm-hmm. high school or go on, uh, graduate from college. It's a lot. And so, Uh, Like I say, one of the best things I could recommend for coaches is trying to learn some of those basic skills. um, Mm -hmm. Just to either I I talk about identify and refer, even Mm -hmm. if you can identify Mm -hmm. issues and get them to people that know the answer, that could be super helpful.
1: Right. The the thing, too, I believe coaches need to do is. Don't talk to your friends, talk to other coaches who you don't know, you already know who the Hall of Famers are in your sport um, and go learn from them. For if you coach D3 softball, you should be talking to Chris Herman, George Wears, John Sheeta, and and there's a host of uh, so many more out there that have been with schools for 20 plus years, and they have great team cultures, and you can just learn from them, but we're scared to ask for help because it'll make us look weak, Um, and that's what always made me good, I, I believe, is stop talking to my friends and start talking to the people That have the actual knowledge. When you, when my players hated that I would arrive at the field early, and they were like, "Why?" and I'm like, "I want to see how the other team gets off the bus. I want to see how their parents interact. I want to see the whole thing to find out who the good cultures are. And I'm going to go invest my time in talking to those coaches to figure out how do they create that. And you can see that in a George Wares program, and a Chris Herman program, and a John Shida's program, like these no-name coaches that are hall of famers that have so many wins that we can't even begin to think about. And you watch them walk into a convention, just the way they talk, dress, act, present themselves. That's who we should be striving for. But coaches fall short of that. You know,
0: One of my best, my best offices, I moved a lot of offices at Concordia, and I was in the back hall that nobody hung out with, but uh, I shared that hall with our women's soccer coach. And he's mm-hmm. won national championships. He he just is a winner. And it's funny because yeah. he does things that are outside the box, which I love about Grant. Mm-hmm. And I would love yeah. to sit and talk at the end of our weekends either. We had just got back from mm-hmm. games or vice versa. Because I took a lot of the stuff he did, especially coming from a big college to a small college, because he already knew yeah. what was what made teams really successful. And so I yeah. was always yep. I was always happy to be like, Grant, <laughs> why do you do this? How yeah. can we do that? And it is true. Yeah. And even like Go and tap on experts and things that maybe aren't in the coaching field, but can be great mm. for whatever you need to yeah. work with your program. Business. Yep. Business. Yeah. Uh, exercise, sports, science, psychology—all yeah. the things that can help programs be better.
1: Yeah, you know it's always interesting. I would always go out to lunch with parents when they were in town, and they had nothing to know how to work team culture. And I was—I would always ask them, "How are you successful? Give me something." And they were just talking about their business and they, then we started talking about culture and how they treated their employees or how they were treated as an employee, what made them successful. And it's, yeah, the the people outside your sport, other coaches, other business people, um, the pastors, any, any leaders you can learn a whole lot from. And, and make it into your own, because it has to be your own, my most successful years as when people, the conversation always came back to, you have twenty little Damians out there. <laughs> Not that I want to coach the kids to mimic me, but our team, we had the same look, we had the same um, language, we had the same um, mannerisms. They were bought into each other, and it wasn't me. It was we were all together, and we believed in a, in, a, in a system. There was no superstar. Or we were all different. Um, and you see that in, in successful teams all the time. They all are the same because what is culture? Language, fashion, education, food. you know, <laughs> food. Yeah, yeah. It's all encompassing. And if everybody, if outside eyes can look at everyone and say they belong to that culture, that's that's when you're successful.
0: Absolutely. Well, Damien, I really appreciate this. I th- This is super insightful, helping you know, both student athletes, coaches, and parents see what can really bring teams together and the things that each one of them can contribute to building a team culture and then sustaining it. Cause that's, that is very important as well. So I really appreciate your time and your insight from all your experience um, at Willamette. And we wish you the best of luck in your new job and your consulting firm.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I love what I do. I love people.
0: So well, Take care my friend. Check out Training the Complete Athlete anywhere you can find podcasts or go to the website at www.trainingthecompleteathlete.com.